listened closely to the lyrics of all of those songs, there's almost really nothing left to say. It's amazing. How wonderful. Wasn't that glorious? I, I got to tell you, man. I, yeah. Thank you to the musicians who put all that together, but especially thank you to our Lord who stirs the hearts of his children and, and just puts like messages into music, helps us to think, helps men to think about those things and put it all together. And just what a glorious time together. I want to share with you what the Bible says about Jesus and when he was born. And it's interesting because it's not much, actually. There are four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all of them, to one extent or another, have some details concerning, like, the story of Christ's birth. And if you kind of put them all together, you get a comprehensive story. But the only one that really gives the detail of the actual birth of that actual night that Jesus was born itself is Luke. Only one of the four. It's described in other ways and other like background events and then the resulting events that kind of went around it. And some of the details over the years have been kind of lost in, in, in certain traditional aspects of Christmas that aren't quite accurate. I'm not going to go into all that tonight. I just want to focus in on what the Bible says about the night that Jesus was born. And you just, you actually just heard it sung and you actually just sung it yourself a little bit as well. It says that the Bible describes, first of all, that Mary, a virgin named Mary, was visited by an angel named Gabriel and was told that she was going to miraculously conceive a child. And she was told that the child was going to be the Son of God and was going to save people from their sins. Well, Mary was betrothed, which is somewhere between being engaged and being married. It's as binding as being married, but they're not quite married yet. She was betrothed to a guy named Joseph. And when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, naturally he was concerned about that, right? So the same angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she's going to bring forth a child. She's going to bear a son. And you're going to call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. He's going to save his people from their sins. Do you understand? That's what the name Jesus means. It means Savior. Okay, so then this happened. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar, Augustus, that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, 
that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Think about some of those facts for a minute and the precariousness of the situation. Here is Joseph and Mary. They're not married yet. She's pregnant. That might have been considered scandalous. She's quite pregnant by this time. But they're sticking together because they say that angels told them that this child was miraculously conceived by God and that this child is going to save everybody from their sins. Then the Romans decide, let's count everybody in our empire and not where they are, let's make them all return to their ancestral homes. So Joseph, with his very pregnant, not yet wife, Mary, has to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Didn't call an Uber or anything like that. It was a long, arduous trip. And wouldn't you know it, that while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Of course, right? And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And you know all that, right? You've seen manger scenes and you see some of the things you see typically at manger scenes probably don't belong there, but the things that definitely do are Joseph and Mary and Jesus laying in a little feeding trough in a bunch of hay wrapped in cloths. That's how Jesus was born. That's the birth. What does that mean to you and I? I mean, it's an amazing story, right? I mean, it's really, I mean, if, if you had something like in your family like that happen to you, I mean, you would probably take some time as the years went by to make sure you told everybody the story too as well, right? But what's really the meaning of that? Why is that important to us sitting here almost 2,000 years later? Well, God did something else that night, and you sang about it, you know. God made sure in an amazing way that the meaning of it was driven home for everybody who was in the surrounding area and in the city and then made sure a guy named Luke came along and wrote it all down so you and I can read about it. I don't know that God cares that much about Christmas itself, the holiday with all the trappings, but he cares that you know this. Listen. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. I love that last part. Just in case you intuitively didn't figure that out, we're told that when this happened, oh, and that's exactly how it would have been, right? I mean, they're out in the field. 
There's no man-made light. There's no light pollution. There's no trains. There's no airplanes. There's no noise. It's dark and it's quiet and they're out in the field in the middle of the night and then, bam, this bright, shining, glorious, fearsome-looking angel is standing right in front of them and they were greatly afraid. Think God was trying to make a point? Well, he made a very interesting point. That fear that they had, he immediately addressed it. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah, listen. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you, ready? Here comes the meaning. Here it is. All the stuff that you know about Christmas, whatever it may be, Here it comes in a few words. The whole deal, the whole thing in these few words. Ready? What this angel said, don't be afraid for, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Just so you know, like, you're not dreaming or hallucinating or freaking out here. This is really happening. You're going to run over there and you're going to find a baby lying in, in, in a barn, eating out of a, laying in a, a thing that animals eat out of. Not something you would ordinarily, well, yeah, you're going to go and you're going to find that. And that's your Messiah. That's what Christ means. The word Christ means Messiah. Listen, good tidings. Good tidings means I have good news for you. And it's not just any old good news for you. It's good tidings of great joy. I'm going to tell you something that ought to make you happier than anything you can imagine. And this message, by the way, isn't just for you, it's for all people. Good tidings of great joy for all people. See, that's why God did it the way that he did. That's why God had Luke write it down, because it was good tidings of great joy, but it wasn't just for them. It was for you. It was for you. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is what Jesus means, Who is Christ? Who is Christ? These Jewish shepherds were just told by an angel that the Messiah has been born. The Messiah was the one who was promised all throughout their history through the entire thread of historic figures and kings and prophets and everyone else from Moses all the way on down the line that God was going to send to bring salvation, redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and everlasting life. These shepherds are told he was just born. He's Christ the Lord. Run over to Bethlehem, find the manger, and you'll see him lying there. That's the sign for you. That's not the end. Listen to this. And suddenly, 
The word suddenly is in there. Listen carefully. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's Gloria in Excelsis Deo. And it's so wonderful to sing those songs that say that, but this, this shouldn't like hurt this for anybody, but just to make sure you have it most accurately, because it's even more powerful than that, when it says that with the angel there was a heavenly host, that term host is a term that refers to an army. So there appeared in the sky with this angel an army, warriors, angelic warriors, and they were praising God. And it doesn't say they were singing. It's great for us to sing, to get these things in our own heads. But they weren't singing. It says they were saying. That is to say, this was an army that was shouting out a battle cry. It was an army that was shouting out a victory cry. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. This was not an army that was coming to slay anyone. This was not an army that was coming to destroy anyone. This was not an army that was coming to fight with anyone. This was an army that was coming because their king had been born into the world. And he was there to begin to bring the promise of salvation to all of his creation. That's what happened on the first Christmas. And then you know what happened? They all left, the angels, and left those shepherds just in stunned awe, standing there, or sitting there, or lying there. And they said to each other, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. It means they, they moved And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they went and they started running all over Bethlehem. Maybe they found all of their shepherd friends and saying, you've got to hear this. It's basically the same thing we're doing here tonight. Is making sure all of us hear it again and again and again. All those who heard it marveled at those things that were told them by the shepherds. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. But then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. I want to think just for a minute here now. It's a, that's, that's a pretty amazing event. When you really think about it, that's an amazing event in the history of the world. I mean, nothing like this ever happened before or has ever happened since. Something like it is going to happen again when Jesus returns. That's another sermon for another day. But this is really an amazing thing. I want you to think about these words and how they pertain to you. Good tidings of great joy 
which will be to all people a Savior, Christ the Lord. All those words mean something. Good news of great joy. Good news of great joy for everyone, including you. Good news of great joy for everyone, including you, about the Savior. That's what Christmas is about, is the Savior. He came to save. I don't know if you've thought about it hard enough or serious enough, but this is for you. You need a Savior. Maybe you don't realize that. Well, listen, we need a Savior because, listen, listen, God is holy and God is righteous and God is, God is so perfect. Listen, he, we think of God as being love and that's true. And we think of God as being kind and that's true. And we think of God in, in different ways. But one of the ways we sometimes don't think of God is that he's holy. He's completely perfect and without any imperfection or any sin. And the reason that's important is what are we? We're people that are imperfect and we have sin. We're people that have, like, we've, even, even at our best, we've told lies, we've stolen things, we've been mean to people, we've talked behind people's backs, we've just been nasty, we've, we've just been unkind, and we've done all sorts of things against the Lord and against His Word throughout our lives. And even the slightest offense, listen, even the slightest offense prevents God, who is holy, from having us in his presence. And so we're condemned. That's why it's good news of great joy. Because God made a way for the condemnation for our sins to be completely washed away. Washed away. Jesus came. And when Jesus was here, you heard Jed talk about it, you heard it, you heard it sung about already. Let me just remind you of it. When Jesus was here, he lived his life. His life proceeded from this day that he was born to last for about 33 years. And throughout that life, he taught wonderful things. He performed many great miracles. You can read the Bible and should and learn all about that. But one of the most important characteristics of Jesus' life is he's the only person who ever lived, the only one who never sinned. That's an important point. Let me tell you why. At the end of his life, the Bible says that he was betrayed by one of his own and was handed over to religious leaders who hated him, who handed him over to Roman Empire officials who didn't really want to deal with any of this anyway. And so the whole thing was cooked up and Jesus was crucified. He died. The important reason why it is that Jesus never sinned was this. God, behind the scenes, had worked everything out. And none of these people who were doing any of this stuff even had any idea what they were really doing. God had worked it all out that Jesus would die like this because when Jesus died, listen, all of the stuff that we've done that prevents us from being with God, all of the sin, all of the, the lying and the cheating and the nastiness and the rottenness and the things that even at our best, we can't just erase them from our lives. All those things we've done, 
Listen. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the penalty for all of that. God saw to it that Jesus, his own son, died for you. Jesus shed his blood and died and took the penalty for your sin. They buried him in a grave, and on the third day, he rose from the dead, and he is alive now. Had Jesus ever sinned one time in his life, he could not have died for us. Because had Jesus ever sinned, even one time in the slightest way, he would have deserved to die. But the whole point of his death was that, listen, this is for you. One who didn't deserve to die died so that many who don't deserve to live may live. How? Listen, it's a gift from God. There's no religious act you can go through to get this applied to your life. There's no amount of good deeds or good works or kindness. There's no amount of regret or remorse you can expect. There's no amount of religious sacraments or ceremonies or anything. And there's no one else that can do it for you. Preachers like me, popes and nuns and preachers and churches and books and conferences and seminars and psychologists. Nobody can do anything for you except Jesus. That's for real. You must put your faith in him. That's what he says. The Bible says that we, by grace, have been saved through faith. And that, not of ourselves, it's a gift from God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. The Bible says that not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. This good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Do you want to be one of the people who receives that blessing? Do you want to be one of the people who needs that salvation? Do you want to be one of the people who needs your sins washed away? Do you want to be one of those people who once and for all knows that you are a child of God because you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your sins have been forever removed and you have his promise that you will never die but live with him forever? Do you want that? That's his gift to you. That's when Jesus was born, it was the beginning of God fulfilling his promise to save you from your sins. But you must come to him. You must come to him in faith. The Bible says that as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the power to become the children of God to those who believed in his name. Do you know what you need to do sitting here right now? You need to abandon all trust in your religious heritage, all trust in your own self-goodness, and just come to the only one who can save you. Come to Jesus in faith and ask. Ask him to save you from your sins. Believe with all of your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and that he died for your sins and that he rose from the dead. Believe it, believe it. And then cry out to him and ask him to save you. You ask him and you, if you come to him humbly and ask for his salvation, believing in all of your heart that 
You know you can't clean yourself up from your own sin, but you need what he did to save you from your sins. If you come to him in faith like that, he will meet you. He will come to you. He will come into you. He will come into your heart. He will come and make his home in your heart. How can you turn away from that? That's the truth of the Bible. That's the significance of Christmas. It was God bringing salvation to the world. I have taken you with my efforts of words pretty much as far as a preacher can take you. You can come talk to me and I can answer more of your questions and would be delighted to do so. But now what I have done is I've, by my words, brought you to the point where it's you and God. And if you've not received Jesus as your Savior, maybe today is the day that you need to do that. Stop assuming that everything is okay. Stop assuming that because you go to church, I'm fine. Stop assuming because I'm listening to the Bible, everything's okay. You need to respond. You need to respond by you crying out to Jesus from your own heart. There's no special prayer or special ceremony. Just you in your heart. Cry out to God and ask the Lord Jesus to save you from your sins. And you will receive forgiveness and his gift of everlasting life. That is the good news of great joy for all people. Let us pray and then we're going to sing one more song. Our Father in heaven, dear Lord God, as we are gathered here tonight, I pray that somebody here sitting in this room would receive this word receive this teaching right from the Bible and they would believe it. And once and for all, right now, they'd put their faith in you. You're all sitting there. You all have your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Nobody's moving. Nobody's looking around the room. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to give you some moments of quiet here in the room where you, it doesn't matter who you're sitting near, you're alone with God. Okay? If you need the Lord Jesus, just in the silence of this moment, ask Him right now. He hears the silent prayers that you make. Come to Him in faith. In your own words, ask Him to save you from your sins. Just let it be quiet for a few moments in the room and you sitting right where you are. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Most holy Lord, I pray that all would have that gift of faith from you and be able to come to you. As you promise, you will in no wise turn them aside. And I pray that everyone in the sound of my voice would have faith in you, Lord Jesus, and be saved from their sins. Thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.